0: Welcome to Monster Porn, Weird Fiction and Horror Podcast. The podcast that's a lot like Goosebumps. But more about them beastings.
1: This week's story The Merd Maid, or When Life Gives You Shit, Squeeze and Make a Diamond. I'd like to tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
2: Have you ever heard of the Book of Mormon?
3: Slinging some Jesus! Brett? Are are you home? Dude, don't come out naked. I'm here. Huh. Well, the podcast is set up and is all ready to go. In fact, it's already recording. But where is Brett? His phone is out on the desk, so I can't text him. Hmm. Now the screen's lit up. It's weird. What does it say? It's... I I don't know what this is. Huh. It's just a picture of a grasshopper or a cricket with a top hat? Well, that's pretty weird. Oh, wait. There's a note. Matt, if you are reading this, you are, insert number of hours, late for recording. Hm. Asshole. You got like five jobs. However, Matt, if you are reading this, I've gotten bored waiting
1: for you and attempted a spot of sorcery by myself. The aim was to hack Google with occult science. If you are reading this, I have failed and Google has hacked me. Do you see the photo in front of you?
3: I do. I'm in the app called Jiminy Cricket. You must find me. Oh, shit, Brett. What the hell? I don't have time for this. What am I supposed to do with this creepy cricket? Its beady yellow eyes are looking at me. Ugh. That's weird. I can't believe this is a Google app. I mean, I know they're creeping on all of us. And they're evil masterminds and all, but... Wow. There's a more info button. Let's see what that... It says Jiminy Cricket, which is spelled with a Google G,
1: transforms your personal ledger of online interactions and history into an immersive world designed by cutting-edge Google AI to mirror your own personality, desires, aims, and fundamental you Jiminy Cricket identifies your personal aims or provides new aims based upon patterns in your ledger or historical ledgers in order to optimize Google and partner services to help you be
3: the most you possible and achieve those aims. Huh. I wonder what happens if I tap the screen. What the...
1: Well, that was a mistake. You're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Not that we ever were, but at least I know what Kansas is. This this is like a 1930s black and white Halloween cartoon. Oh, God. This world is made from Brett's internet history? Oh, Jesus. First anime schoolgirl or tentacle I see... I'm making like Kurt Eichenwald and backpedaling the fuck out of this flirtation with literal monster porn. There's surprisingly little of that though, I must say. There's just this black sky and a forest over there, and beyond that a mountain. Oh, and there's a house up on the hill, beside a cemetery, and a dead tree on a cliff overlooking the sea. I guess the house is where I'm going? The light's on. I'm waiting.
3: Oh uh hi
4: Good evening, can I help you?
1: I don't know. I wasn't sure what to expect when I knocked. Your house looks haunted.
4: Oh wait, thank you.
1: Sorry, have we met? You seem very familiar. No, wait. I've seen you on TV. Old black and white TV? You're Morticia Theatrice Adam
4: Beatrice De Northwood.
1: De Northwood? This has something to do with Brett. Are you related to him?
4: Why, I'm his wife.
1: His wife?
4: Yes. Why, you must be Matt. He speaks very highly of you. Considers you a brother. Is he here? No. I'm afraid you have missed him. But would you like to come in and have some tea?
1: I suppose I can only say yes. Oh, man. What a library. I've never seen a collection of old books like this.
4: Quite wonderful, isn't it? I do love the musty, ancient smell.
1: It is quite the smell. You know, this house could probably use a bit more of a woman's touch. (laughs) Um, you know, it's got all the old books, the Transformer toy collection,
3: and oversized cat toys.
4: On the contrary, Matt, I quite delight in all of this. I should hope so. I am responsible for much of the decor. I'm particularly proud of the mounted insects. Let me fetch the tea. Please make yourself at home.
1: So this is the accumulation of Brett's desires? Huh, it would be like Brett for musty old books to give him a boner. This book looks interesting. It's full of Amazon ads.
4: The books certainly give me a boner too. Here we are, Earl Grey.
1: Oh, I didn't mean any.
4: Please don't trouble yourself, Matt. Ah, here come the children. Children? Children, say hello to nice Mr. Cummins. This is Wolf. He is nine.
1: He's literally a wolf.
4: And this is Annie. She's five.
1: A very lovely daughter.
4: Are you in first grade, sweetie? She's about to defend her thesis in forensic anthropology. You have a killer's nose. That's...
1: that's... sorry, what is that?
4: Go ahead and play, children. What is it, Matt?
1: Tell me that the puma at the top of the stairs is not real.
4: Oh, our dear Augustus is entirely 100% purebred Carolina panther, Matt. I can show you his papers. I must tell you, I am so thrilled to finally meet you. Brett has said so much, told me of how you met in grade school, everything. You're basically a part of this family, and I haven't even had the pleasure of meeting you until tonight. Though I feel I have known you your whole life. We'd love to have your whole family for dinner. The good times we will have. Our children could have a play date. Here, take a seat and enjoy your tea. I will see if Brett has returned. In the meantime, he has left this. The story is what he was working on for your wonderfully creepy podcast. He stored it in a folder he has shared with you. Which reminds me, I have been meaning to float this offer by you. If you need some sound dampening materials for your studio, I can gladly order you what you need from Amazon. All you have to do is say the word.
1: Oh, uh, no thank you. We're not quite ready for that yet. Uh, we're still recording out of our living room.
4: I will look for my husband and return promptly.
1: Huh. a strange offer.
3: But she seems nice, if not suitably strange for Brett. Well then, his story. Let's see what he wrote. <laughs>
0: Janos Zekli glanced between his toes and his interlocutor's eyes and popped the question like he was asking out a hot date. His hot date of sorts was a 250-pound bass player with a Gandalf beard. The question, Hey man, you maybe want to, like, jam sometime, man? The air hung thick with suspense that could resolve into either the marital bliss of a solid rock band, or an out-of-hand rejection, or an any possibility in between. The tension gave Janos Zekkely heart palpitations. But it wasn't every day you met a legit bass player who might be the one. Maybe, man, the ogre of a chap grumbled. I mean, yeah, just hit me up. Yeah, man, Janos said. I mean, I really like Rush too, man. Mmm, he droned. His Rush t-shirt had been the icebreaker Janos used to start the conversation. But now the guy seemed 0% interested in Rush talk. So then, like, uh, do you have a phone number? Janos pressed. Yeah, oh yeah, man, here. He pulled out an iPhone and fiddled with it. Just give me yours and I'll shoot you a text and you'll have mine. Cool, Janos said. And he rattled off his phone number. The bass player pretended to type. He was still looking at the home screen. Needless to say, that text never arrived after the bass player disembarked from the bus. Not that day, not the next day, and not that week, not ever. It was just another road bump in the daily speed trap that was the life of a guitar genius spinning his tires uphill and against the gravity of his social anxiety and the fact that he looked like a leprechaun crossed with an obese golf course groundskeeper. In reality, it was worse than that, actually. Janos Zekli's current gig was night shift at the wastewater treatment plant. So add to that brief physical portrait of the artist. That he always wore the literal eau de toilette. People who didn't know him, virtually everyone in the world except for his mom, just assumed he had a chronic bowel problem if Janos had this much trouble finding a bassist, or a drummer, even worse. You can imagine how hard it was to come by a girlfriend. But first things first, Janos was fairly certain from a young age that his only shot in this world at impressing a girl would be with his guitar playing. Therefore, assembling the band was first priority. The rest, he told himself, would fall into place thereafter. He scanned his card at the kiosk beside the wire gate, which rolled aside with no haste on little hard plastic lawnmower tires. Ahead towered the digester tanks, at the tops of which, in the gloom, little lights now blinked. Janos went into the building. The smell hit him anew at the start of the shift, and quickly vanished, leaving only the sickening knowledge that he must still be breathing that same miasma for the entirety of his eight-hour overnight shift but had inhaled enough of it so as to get accustomed to it. Often in the middle of the night, particularly when he was near the aeration basins, he would catch himself mouth-breathing and immediately clamp his jaw in disgust. But most of his night was spent alone in the control room, with screens and sensors and playboy mags that had been there in the drawer since 1993. Since he was alone on the night shift, sometimes. After he got more comfortable with the job, he brought his electric guitar, whom he dubbed Betty Boop because it was a little black and white Fender Stratolike, and his small practice amp. Not once after training had his supervisor, Dave, checked in on things in the night shift. This night, however, Betty Boop had broken a G string, so he brought instead a paperback. While he was reading, the SCADA system sounded its alarm tone. On any night this happened, Janos Zekli recalled his supervisor's tales of the dreaded Fatberg of 2006 that had nearly destroyed a lift station and threatened to back up a whole neighborhood. It gave him shudders. It raised his blood pressure. But this, now, was no blockage or anomalous reading. Well, the blood pressure might have been both, actually.
2: The alarm actually sounded, for the ground security system, the motion detector near to the aeration basins.
0: Janos' eyes shot to the camera monitor. For a second he saw without seeing, but as his eyes made sense of it, he saw a person by one of the aeration basins, just a black mass with shoulders and a
2: head, really. Why, he wondered, what attraction is there in a pool of dilute shit? And then the person jumped, jumped
0: right into the pool with the diver's pristine form. Almost zero splash. Janos' breath caught in his throat, and his brain ground to a halt mid-thought, his mouth gaped. Which button did he push for this? There was no button for late-night stool swimmers. Janos ran out of the control room, down the hall, out the door, and down the catwalk, to the aeration basins. He clutched the rail where he had seen the jumper and leaned over, catching a mouthful of stench as he panted. I've got to... I've got to... Shit! He's not coming up. How is he not coming up? Shit! I've got to call paramedics or something. I've got to start draining the pool. Fuck. If this shithead doesn't come up on his own, he'll be drowned before either the paramedics get here or the basin drains. I've got to...
2: I've got... Shit!
0: Janos began pulling his golf shirt over his head but stopped himself.
2: This is nuts. This is... this is... Uh,
0: did this even really happen? God, I should go rewind the feed make sure I definitely saw someone and that they didn't come up while I was running down here. Then I'll call 911. Yeah, that's what one should do. Uh, I don't know what to do. He stared at the unstirring shit. If this person doesn't come up, he told himself again. No one's going to get here fast enough to help. I'm all the shit has got. Uh Janos took his shirt halfway off again, stopping with his bulging eyes just peering over it and his belly boasting its curly tufted trail of tears below. Fuck my life. Fuck everything. Fuck this shit. Fuck me too. God fucking damn it. Now his shirt was off, clutched at his love handles as he glared into the muck. Someone is in there, he reminded himself. If I don't try to save them... At that moment, he considered he was the only person in the world who knew that someone had jumped in. If they had just died and broke down a little, and then got removed with the solids filters, he could pretend to be surprised just like everyone else.
2: Shit. Shit. Shit! Just come up already. There can't really be a person in there, right? Right? Then the pool. Which had been so deathly still finally stirred. No fucking way, Janos said aloud.
0: Instinctively, he fell onto his belly and reached for the shape that had broken the surface of the water like an eel, still believing he was rescuing a drowning stranger.
2: His hand made contact with. with something like the scaly back of a fish. None of this could be for real. Janos was on his feet gasping. He ran back to the control room,
0: pecking at the keyboard with one finger of his clean hand. He backed up and replayed the security camera footage. There it was. Yes, a person. Head and shoulders, black goth hair with a greasy sheen. But what was that fish thing? He paced briskly in front of the controls and accidentally rested his soiled hand on his bare chest. He cringed. Then the screen caught his eye. He was just in time to see, what the fuck, two arms hanging from a rail as a head and shoulders pulled out from the sewage, adorned with curly dark hair glistening as the water drained from it. He heard an ooing sing-song and looked out after it through the window. When he looked at the camera feed again, a woman, under the light post, stared back at him, and then turned back to the basin. Her dark eyes sparkled over distinguished cheeks.
2: She did a flip off of the side of the tank, back into the water. In the air, her fish tail flailed. Janos fell into his chair. He
0: did nothing but remain fastened on the screen for the next hour. Unable to justify missing a moment in case this unbelievable thing should rise again from the waters. Unable to even justify washing his hands or putting on his shirt. Slowly, he
2: thought, I am so glad I didn't call anybody. I've got to be high on fumes or something. Better crack a damn window. Quickly after that, he reflected. Her face was
0: haunting. The next night, Janos came looking forward to work, and for every night he worked for the next two weeks. However, although he watched the monitors studiously, the unreal apparition never reappeared. After several disappointing nights of watching the monitor, he began taking unnecessary walks down to the pools. To stretch his legs, he told himself. It certainly wasn't for the fresh air. The gray water sat still but his heart fluttered with nerves. What if he saw the monster again? What if it was dangerous? All in all, the lack of reappearance began to confirm for him that the whole episode had been unreal. Heck, of course it was unreal. He knew Night Shift messed with the brain, made people see things and talk to people who weren't there.
2: He'd heard of this. Still, he hoped, since the whole thing was basically insane. He
0: wasn't too troubled to try an insane idea during the safety of his midnight loneliness. Betty Boop had a new string. He brought her to work, and around the witching hour, he wandered out on the catwalk with her, gazing about, cattily. He set his practice amp down on the steel with a clack and plugged into the outlet that was hidden under the controller console. Electric thunder rumbled through the catwalk, He could feel it in his rubber-soled boots and right up through his being, resonating in his spine and shooting out his crown up into the amphitheater of the stars. Janos Zekkely smiled. In high school, he had been in a band called Black Magic Gizmo. His best friend, Anthony, had been the frontman. But Janos had the honor of penning their hit. Their hit, so to speak, was a song called Antipathy, that opened their demo disc and had, in the most magic moment of Janos's life, gotten the bleachers bouncing and pouring into a mosh pit on the basketball court during their senior year talent show. Antipathy rocked you. Janos shredded a simple two-bar chord progression. It was hard, heavy, and rich without being a downer. It was the kind of thing that makes you want to jump, to shout, to pump your fist, to bang your head. An anthem! the kind of thing you could cold open an arena with. Anthony had always sung it better, but it felt right from Janos' mouth. It was his song, and whenever he played it over the years by himself, it felt like he was taking it back and reclaiming it. When the final chord ceased to ring, the night fell into cold silence, sheer and stark. He put the pick in his mouth and looked around and shivered. Janos was suddenly aware again that he was alone, or he hoped he was alone after that ruckus. How embarrassing it would be if Dave had just happened to drive up. Janos took a deep breath through his nose and looked at the resting strings. He began to pick with his fingers. He stopped and cut back on the flanger and gain. Jonas leaned against the railing and continued to pick with delicate studiousness. What he teased out of the strings was a new, folksy, heartfelt, iterating riff, layered and full of nuance. Since it was new and impromptu, he messed it up a few times and started over, each time trying to rediscover the magic that had almost slipped away and subduing it all over again.
2: The unanticipated accompaniment ran his blood cold. An eerie, Ooh,
0: emerging from behind him. Janos raised his
2: head, and his fingers hung over the strings. He turned. No fucking way, he muttered. There,
0: her tail wrapped gracefully around the railing, was the water woman, staring big-eyed like an animal. Large gemstone lookers peered out from a round Hellenic face, framed in dangling dark curls, not unlike seaweed, that reached down to her billowy breasts. Her complexion was brown, but that may have had more to do with the habitat than with melanin.
2: Who, who are you? Janos asked. She blinked slowly and did not answer. She
0: turned her head to glance at the basin behind her. Janos glanced at his guitar. He began playing again. The mermaid's eyes latched back upon him. In a few bars, she began to hum. By the next repetition of the riff, she sang and began to sway. A great smile cracked Janos' face. When the improvisation ran out and the strings ceased their bee-like buzz, Janos took a few steps toward his new friend. At this, like a wild animal, her face was sparked with panic. Glancing quickly around, the woman dove into the aeration basin. Janos hung on the rail and stared down after her. This continued for a number of nights with much the same outline. Janos played sweet music, and the woman made an appearance to sing, but vanished in a heartbeat as soon as Janos did anything other than play. The folksy music he had improvised that first night was revisited, and, with practice, tended toward becoming its own song. And the woman's singing followed its own course of development, falling into a more definite composition which, while comprised of the same set of elements every night, could not be described simply with a rigid pop-song structure. It had more flow, more variation, like a classical work. In his apartment one evening, before his shift, Janos prepared for work in front of the bathroom mirror, and he saw what she saw. He was reminded that he didn't like it. He looked like a lumberjack, Not the romanticized kind, but a more real-world, low-income redneck who spent his days in the forest and his nights in a trailer home stacked full of beer bottles and empty pizza boxes. This being crossed with a golf course groundskeeper. She, now she was amazing. He was a letdown. She came for the music. She left the moment the music quit, leaving when Janos was merely Janos. And could he blame her? he didn't like Janos much either. This led him naturally into the realm of the unthinkable. Janos Zekely got a 24-hour gym subscription, and that next morning after his shift, fueled by some emergency Starbucks, he hit Walmart in search of some collared shirts that did not make him look like the career floor manager of a dive restaurant. He sensed that this was his one shot. His one shot for what? She was a fucking mythical creature. No, he didn't know for what. But somehow, some little spark of magic had manifested in his life, and he knew this sort of thing didn't happen every day. It shouldn't happen any day, for crying out loud. Yet there she was each night, singing wordless melodies that arose naturally from within her. Janos knew this was a moment to make much of. The stage light was on him, and now he had to step up and perform. The comical thought occurred to him. Hey, maybe we'll become a band. <laughs> How many freaking bands have a mermaid for a front woman? I'd pay to see that. Janos? <laughs> the man in the golf shirt and khakis wondered with wide eyes behind his square-framed spectacles. Dave, Janos said strolling up the catwalk, with his hands in the pockets of his new distressed rock-and-roll jeans.
2: What's going on? What are you doing here? Shouldn't you be catching some sleep or something?
0: They stood by the aeration basins, which were draining. Janos eyed them over nervously. I, uh, I just wanted to drop by. Uh, I, uh... I had to be up for some errands, and I knew you would be around for the routine basin maintenance, so I thought it would be a good time, since, you know, we don't overlap in the night shift, to say again, hey, thanks for the job, and
2: uh, to just touch base. Uh, yes, you're welcome, Dave said. Is everything all right? Yes, sir. Everything is working out with the job? Yes, absolutely. Good, good. Dave followed
0: Janos' eyes over the draining aeration basins. Anything I could help with since I'm here? No, Janos, thank you. Janos' fingers were tingling. The basins were about to be dry. He felt his heart race, but as the last sucking noise smacked his ears and the linings of the basins were revealed, there remained nothing in them, certainly not a mere person. Okay, uh, have a good one, man,
2: Janos said to Dave, with a smile and a wave.
0: Janos rushed into work. On the bus, he had actually happened to see that bass player again, but this was about the farthest thing from his mind. In fact, the bassist glared and seemed almost a little hurt that this nerd wasn't bugging him anymore and looking a little less like the dweeb that he saw last time in his distressed yet sparkly rocker pants and dress shirt.
2: Was this guy going on a date? No, he had his guitar case. A gig, then? But now Janos rushed onto the catwalk.
0: He immediately leaned over the rail and examined the water, and then he began to take out his guitar. He almost forgot to clock in. As he turned to run up to the control room to do so, He met the last guy leaving the previous shift, who eyed over Janos in his dress clothes, with his guitar, with moderate suspicion. Janos, he said. Steve, said Janos, slowing down to play it cool. You're a crazy dude, said Steve, who, having clocked out, decided it was not his job, come 801, to prevent some weird motherfucker in sparkly pants from having a rock concert over the aeration basins. When Janos had clocked in, he raced back to the aeration basins and threw the guitar strap over his shoulder. Pulling the pick from his lips, he struck a chord. It rang and dissipated into silence. Janos began to play the original riff that had summoned his mermaid, albeit with a hint of urgency. From the pipes that led to the digester tanks came a black cloud suspended in the sewage. Curiously, it flowed into the basin against the current. When a fair mass of this cloud swirled amidst the muck, the crown of a black-haired head rose from it, and then the eyes and nose hung there and gazed at Janos with those shimmery irises. Janos breathed his relief and entered into the chorus. She rose from the waters and sang. When it was over, he set down the guitar. She looked alarmed,
2: but didn't immediately flee. He held up his hand. Thank God, he said. I thought you were gone. She smiled and issued a series of clicks and hums. She
0: cocked her head. I was worried they'd find you or accidentally hurt you, he went on. She could not make sense of the words, but she could the tone, and his tone was that of concern, concern and affection. She listened attentively reading it like a song, by its emotion and not by its consonants. She smiled in assurance. That's a neat trick you did there, Janos said, smiling back. I guess that's how you get in here too, huh? From where, I wonder? Are there many like you? Do they all live uh, in places like this, I wonder? There are more of me, and no, they don't. He picked up Betty Boop and threw the strap back over his shoulder. He picked a few tentative notes, feeling for something to play. Anyway, he said,
2: here's Wonderwall. Just joking, but I figure you're ready for another tune, huh? Betty buzzed out a soothing A minor chord,
0: clean with a small amount of tremolo. This one's from Scotland, Janos said, and he sang. Black is the color. Of my true love's hair. She swam to him and pulled herself from the basin. He watched the mocha-colored water run from her body. Her scales were iridescent, teal, cerulean, and emerald. On the catwalk, she moved a little like a gorilla, using her hands in lieu of feet and using her coiled tail as a static prop between her swings forward. Janos had actually seen this mode of locomotion before it occurred to him. A paraplegic without a wheelchair had done this in a movie. He stopped playing. She was right in front of him. Her hair looked gross. She smiled ear to ear, and Janos had no idea what was happening. The mermaid rubbed her thumb across his forehead, smearing a fat brown streak. She burst out in clicks, in laughter. Janos' throat also clicked. It was a gag he suppressed. Thinking quickly, he turned to his guitar case and removed a notebook half full of chords and lyrics and the stub of a pencil that accompanied it. Janos flipped to the first blank page he found, while she, curious, turned her head closer to examine.
2: Janos drew a stick figure. He tapped his chest with the pencil and said, Janos. Then he drew another stick figure, but with a flaring curl in place of legs. He pointed the pencil at her. You. The mermaid seemed amused by this.
0: She eagerly took the pencil from him, and he held the notebook while she amended his work. She put a line through the circle of his head. She clicked madly and pointed at his forehead. Yeah, thanks, Janos said, rolling his eyes. Then he said, more earnestly, This is cool. So we can communicate now. This is great, right? Okay, here we go. Let's see. uh, What can I? But before he could imagine what the next step in their communication might be, she demonstrated she needed no more prompting. As Iono still held the pad before her, she drew a wavy line. Water, he said. The ocean, maybe? Or a river? But she continued, underneath that simple ripple. She placed what looked like a city skyline, towering connected boxes and little tadpole-like entities all around it. She also populated the aqueous sky with something Janos couldn't interpret. Watercraft, maybe? That looked like circles with a single horizontal stroke through them. On the tallest building, lastly, she sketched a
2: seven-pointed star. Is this your home? Janos wondered. Whoa. Like... Where? She looked at him, smiling big. He tapped the drawing with his finger and
0: then pointed randomly toward the ocean. Out there? He moved his arm to another direction. Or there? She whipped her head around as if getting her bearings and leveled her arm, mimicking Janos' gesture
2: toward, yes, the ocean. But why are you here? Janos wondered uselessly. Wow.
0: He stared into the curtain of dark, imagining what he could not see out there. He motioned for the notebook back. She obliged, but perhaps only because she was done for the moment. She did quite appear to enjoy this game. Janos turned the page over. It would be interesting to see if she could answer this one. Janos drew a stick figure ape. You could infer that it was an ape by its bean-shaped head, and that its arms were longer than its legs. Then Jonas drew a couple more, each more human, more upright, and finally, the fourth, a normal stick figure. He tapped his own chest again, and beamed at the woman, proud of himself. She took the notebook from his hand, and appeared to think a long time. Would she draw a similar march of mankind, but from a fish forebear? Or, he didn't know what. How in the heck does one end up with a half of a fish for a posterior? It's not like some sailor did it with a fish and this happened, right? Or, that some fisherman lured a keeper and kept her, right? Right? While Janos pondered, she began again to run the pencil, which she, at one point of break in her work, decided to put in her mouth and assess for taste before continuing. When she looked up, beaming brightly, and scooted around beside him, his whole side closest to her tingled. She wasn't particularly warm like your average person, in fact she might have been cold blooded, but somehow there was a strong sense of her that prickled his arm hairs like static electricity. She held the notebook for him to take. He took it, and she began to point and click and hum. The clicking and humming did little for him. But her finger indicated the course of the story, through
2: the pictures she had made. She had drawn... angels? Well, if you have to accept mere people, can't you accept angels? I guess. They looked
0: like angels, anyway. Stick people with something like wings, really just an upturned crescent passing through the upper torso. And secondary circles haloing the circles of their heads. Glancing down the page, he couldn't help himself but look ahead. He saw from a group of angels and mere people together that the angels were around twice their height, that is, almost twice the height of a normal person. The first little sketch showed a city of blocks beside the waves of the sea. Out of it poured a
2: great cloud into the sky, crosshatched graphite black. And as the cloud extended over the sea, raining,
0: As she pointed to the zigzag sea, she took the pencil and colored it in two.
2: Janos got the sense. The next showed a row of angels. The first clutched his throat. The next
0: clutched his head. The third clutched his stomach. And the last was on his knees and had a crude skull for a head. The third drawing showed an angel holding up a file colored in black not hatchmarked like the cloud in the sea, but a harder, darker black that shone with graphite sheen from the pressing of the pencil into the paper. The fourth drawing was simply the vial turned upside down. The black had been poured out and become a merperson. The fifth had angels and merpeople interspersed on the coast of the zigzag sea with one, the largest angel, holding his arm out toward the water. Finally, below the waves of the sea, she had drawn tadpole-like mere people swimming, with open mouths and little patches of the crosshatching in front of them.
2: They were eating the pollution. No way, Janos muttered. She returned to Janos' drawing of
0: humanity's heritage and pressed her finger on it repeatedly, smudging it with traces of sewage. Seeing that Janos' face remained blank, she took the pencil and drew a long seascape below the whole march of man, and drew more mer sprites. You've been here the
2: whole time, Janos said slowly. You're people anyway. Wow. Then as if dotting her last eye,
0: she prepended something like a fish to Yanos's march of mankind.
2: Your kind is that old. Janos wondered stupidly. She smiled into his face like a child, like a
0: brilliant shit-smeared sun. Janos looked into the distance, and slowly he became conscious of the aeration tanks in front of them, where the dirty water was oxygenated so that microorganisms would flourish and begin to break down its contents, a process that then continued in the digester tanks.
2: No wonder you like it here, Janos said meeting her eyes. This is like a feast in Eden to you, I bet. Indeed, looking at her, she could have been the happiest being alive. And it was infectious. Probably literally. Janos put the pencil against his sternum. Janos, he
0: said again, and he repeated his name a few more times before pressing the stub eraser to her collarbone. She raised her bright green eyes from the pencil to his. she pronounced, pronouncing it delicately for Janos' sake. Yeah, I can't say that, Janos told her. He tried to roll his tongue and
2: shook his head to show her this. She chortled. How about Mary, he said, short for Mermaid. He pressed the pencil to her collar once more. Mary, he said. Mary took the pencil from him and prodded him with it. She clicked. Yeah, okay, but I can't say that either, he laughed. After they sat a while beneath the
0: cool night, they began to make music again sitting facing each other on the catwalk. And after a few hours, she returned to the water. On the bus that morning, Janos reflected on what had been the most magical night of his life. It was the kind of interpersonal connection you dream of that makes you feel young like a teenager secretly dodging curfew with the flame his parents don't like so much. All this in addition to the fact that this actually was magic for all purposes because of what she was. Janos smiled to himself giddily among the scratched bus windows, dyed yellow by the dawn. When Janos came into the control room, Dave was waiting in a swivel chair in the middle of the floor. A black woman in a halter top loitered behind him twirling her hair. In Dave's hand there was something shadowy and rectangular, which Janos, at a glance, wrote off as a remote control. Sir, Janos said, and I don't believe I've had the pleasure of meeting your wife. Jasmine, Dave said, is a hucker, Janos, and this, you may not have noticed, is a fucking gun. Dave raised it halfway, aimed at Janos, and sure enough, it was. It's time we sat down to talk about the business of wastewater treatment, Janos, Dave said. I don't understand, Janos said. Sit, Dave directed. When Janos stared at the indicated chair, and he did not sit, Dave said, Sit in the fucking chair. Sir, Janos said and sat. Dave passed his gun into his left hand so he could reach into his left breast pocket with his right. He pulled something out and shook it lightly in his closed hand. Janos, he said, when God gives you a miracle, you gotta be willing to pull off a miracle to protect it. Do you know what's a miracle? This is a fucking miracle. He opened his hand and extended it toward Janos. Janos leaned forward to see. Here, Dave said. Take it. Look it over. Dave poured, what, some shiny rocks into Janos's hand. Janos then brought them right to his face and frowned at them thoughtfully. Gold, Dave said, and very small amounts of diamond. She also makes or isolates silver, copper, iron, and some other minerals. She, Janos's eyes locked on Dave's. Don't be dumb, Dave told him. When you came in here yesterday acting weird, I had to come in and check the tapes. I know you've made friends. It's cute. She likes you a lot better than me, but hey, that's all right because I like my bitches not smelling like shit and garbage. He thumbed over his shoulder at the prostitute. He leaned forward and pretended to whisper, speaking still at a perfectly audible volume. "'Well, you can't win them all.' "'Hey,' Jasmine protested. "'I think you're not respecting this.' Still looking Janos in the eye, he answered, "'Shut your face, vagina bitch. I ain't paying you to think,' and then continued toward Janos. "'A miracle. That's what she is. I mean the ship mermaid, not this fleabag.' Raw waste goes in, valuables come out, a small percent of which is gold and diamond. About half the total output is other gemstones and valuable metals. I didn't realize, Yano said. Dave squinted at him. I think I believe you, but I've come here to make an offer. Listen, I need a nightman I can trust, and I believe I can trust you. Therefore, I want to give you a cut, say, 20% of the product, just to keep this quiet. Keep her happy. Keep her here and safe. you got nothing to lose. Neither does she, for that matter. You can think about it. Janos raised his eyes from the floor tiles and met Dave square on.
2: Janos' mouth fell open, and he just said, Yep. That's a yes? Dave pushed. Uh, yep, Janos said. Like you said,
0: nothing to lose. Everything to gain. Okay, Dave said, fidgeting in his swivel chair. Good, great. I knew I could count on my nightman, Daisy, uh, Jasmine, let's make like a tree and blow this dick parade. Dave patted Janos on his shoulder on the way out and shoved the gun into his belt. He smelled like bubble gum and whiskey. Holding the door for Jasmine like a gentleman, he winked at Janos and left. Janos spun in his chair and watched him through the window as he disappeared. Then his eyes fell onto the monitors, and rather than feeling like the observer now, he felt like the observed. Somehow, he would have to tell Mary what happened, and at that moment, he felt certain he wanted nothing to do with Dave or his poop diamonds. When Janos went to the basins, Mary flopped over the rail and sprung to embrace him. She was not clean when she did this. There was a burnt umber mermaid print all up and down Janos's front and a smear on his cheek where hers had pressed his. He tried to hide his throat clicking, but she saw and looked concerned. And the ruse blown. He let himself gag and cough, and he ended up spitting a little bit of bile into the pool. Mary held her hands to her face. Jonas forced a smile to reassure her. Sorry, he said.
2: It's not you, I swear. He took her hand. She chirped. Jonas asked himself,
0: Was Dave's deal so bad? He could make money just by doing what he had been doing, by spending time with Mary and keeping her happy. There was nothing lost, only something to be gained, extra income, which he knew he needed. If Dave got the lion's share of her product, couldn't that just be viewed as rent for her home? Well worth it, since this place was her paradise?
2: Janos looked into Mary's eyes. She was clearly happy, utterly beaming, in fact. Janos smiled back. He could only smile back. Suddenly, he felt certain his shady boss's deal was a boon for both of them. Mary
0: was miming drawing with her hand. Janos snapped out of it and dug out his notebook. After he dreamed a while, staring into the night, Mary held the notepad up for him to see. She had drawn a little Janos with guitar and amp. When she put her hand on the rail, he put his hand on hers. Maybe he could afford the better recording setup he'd always wanted. Maybe this would be the beginning of his big break. That bassist from the bus would wish that he had been in the
2: band. Before it became time for the first payout, Dave passed along some instructions. Therefore, Janos sat
0: in his Honda sedan in the parking lot of a run-down strip mall, staring at the salon. He'd been instructed to enter the salon and ask for Chavez, and whoever was at the counter, who was not Chavez, because there was no Chavez, would hand him a cash payout in an unmarked envelope. Janos had been paid under the table before, but this was not just under the table. It was twenty feet underground. Janos drummed on the steering wheel to the stereo and jutted his jaw as he stared. It had been half an hour. Chavez, he said, testing his voice, and to a certain extent how dirty the word felt in his mouth. Nobody was getting hurt, so why
2: did it still feel wrong? Janos couldn't quite put his finger on it. The gun. The gun and the hooker. The
0: gun and the hooker and the money laundering, that's what made it wrong. If Dave had just come to him as a buddy and said, Hey, your girlfriend is pooping gold, let's split the profits. That would have been completely different. But it was clear that Dave was not a good man, or to be trusted. What was married to Dave but a cash cow, and now he was asking Janos to think of her in the same way. At the plant, Dave was waiting for him again. No hooker and his face meant business. Janos, my man, he said. You know you got a payout waiting for you, right? Uh, yes, sir, Janos answered, almost back against the door in terror. Dave's eyes narrowed. I'm curious about why it's still sitting there, Dave said. You know, we don't like to have money sit. It's got to be moving, understand? Sorry, sir, Janos said. I, uh... I just got busy and I haven't had a chance to make it down there in daylight, you know? Hmm, he toned, tearing into Janos with his squinted eyes. That's funny. I'm pretty sure my man saw your Honda down there for an hour yesterday. It was a half hour, Janos thought. Why were you scoping out the place for an hour, Janos? A half hour, Janos corrected. Fine, Dave said with a little irritation. Why did you scope out the salon? for a half hour, and then lie about it. Well, sir, it's just that mid-sentence, Yano slipped out the door and ran. By the basins, he called Mary's name. Dave marched after him. Cute, he said. She has a name now. I always just called her Other Income on my tax forms. Dave pulled his pistol from his belt where it had been hidden under his baggy flannel shirt. I just don't understand, Janos, he said. What's the problem? She gets what she wants, this greywater buffet. You get what you want, her company and some money. And I get what I want. Who loses? What's the problem? I need to know I got a man I can trust, and I ain't getting that vibe tonight. My problem, Janos said, and he thought. My problem is that to you she's just, just cattle. Cattle that you're milking. It's business, Janos, that's all. I can't let you exploit her. Does she look unhappy to you, Janos? No. Then what is the frigity-frickin' problem? Janos looked at the gun that Dave pointed at him loosely from his waist. What would you do if she tried to leave, Janos asked him.
2: Why the hell would she
0: leave? Humor me, Janos said. Dave said, I don't like the way you're talkin'. And he pistol-whipped Janos. Janos clung to the railing and eyed Dave under a bleeding brow. You'd keep her trapped if you could, Janos said. Damn right I would, Dave answered. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. No, man, Janos said. You don't know what it's like. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. It's time for you to walk away, Dave said, gritting his teeth. Don't worry. I'll still give a good recommendation to your next employer. I won't leave her, Janos said. Dave rolled his eyes. You really have lost it. You, sir, are a shitty human being. Dave struck him again and he fell. Like a leaping fish, her form with dark rippling hair and sparkling tail flew from the aeration basin. The gun clanged against the catwalk and slid. She was engineered for this. For recycling shit. And this man, this man was a little bit shit. Janos quite fortunately, was still groggy as Mary's mouth parted like a carp's sucker and fastened on Dave's cranium. Janos's little Honda four-door purred like a twenty-year-old flea bag, but it was rolling, backseat packed with his music gear. He looked over at his passenger and met her cautious smile. Despite the best efforts of the emergency shower at the plant, the odor lurked. When she had stepped, dripping from the shower, she had taken his hand, and he had planted a kiss on her cheek and led her to the car. Now he squeezed her hand on the console, and it made her smile stronger. I bet you're concerned you won't find a place as good as what you had, Janos said, and I'm sorry for that. You don't know where your next meal's coming from, and I can sympathize. I guess I'm not too certain either. They wove through the pre-dawn forest, guided by ghostly headlights. It was hard when they couldn't communicate through drawings. It was hard seeing the flicker of doubt in her smile. Outside of a little town on the state border, they stopped at a culvert that drained into the river, and Mary went down to eat. Passing through that town, Janos left a bottle of precious minerals on the street corner for someone to find. About an hour north of there, Janos pulled over to throw up because of the E. coli he'd picked up from that kiss.
4: What do you think, Matt?
1: Uh, the story will work for the podcast.
4: you really like it? Absolutely. I am delighted to hear, and Brett will undoubtedly be as well. Listen, if you believe in the story and want to sell it using print-on-demand services, I can help you make it available via CreateSpace. It's very easy.
3: No, that's quite all right. I think I see what's going on here.
4: What do you mean? Oh, do you need more tea, Matt? Just say the word and I can order more. Twining zero gray tea. From Amazon with Expedite Shipping.
1: No, I should be going. Actually, I have a lot of work to do tonight.
4: Matt, I want you to know that you are a part of this family. So I want you to tell me, what can I do to make it easier for you? Could your business benefit from a new supplier?
3: What?
1: Hey... You're blonde all of a sudden in your cheekbones.
4: I just need you to tell me what Matt needs, and I will make it happen. That's what I do. I'm here to make you the you who makes his aims.
1: Whoa! Hey! Hey! I'm married! Get off of my lap, lady! There's Brett. Brett! Brett! What is he doing on that cliff? Matt? Oh. We gotta get out of here, man. Wait, what's that?
0: An Amazon package. I was just opening it. Matt, I'm so glad. I mean, yes, let's get out of here. Yeah,
1: but how?
0: The how is easy. I just... just needed an infusion of willpower. Yours. And now that you're here... Good.
1: Great. But what were you doing out here?
0: Matt. Not only is this... This world that is the image of my desires... A lie. And that alone is terrible. But it is a lie constructed imperfectly by algorithms that are trying to infer the details of my soul from my own actions and the patterns of actions accumulated from a billion other users. And the imperfections are so painfully obvious up close that it makes it impossible to ignore that this uncanny reflection of everything I've ever wanted is a lie. This wicked wonderland, this evil Oz though so sweetly dark, though filled with the superficial touch of a loving hand, that is not a hand, is only an interface designed to find the things that give me a hit of dopamine or of opiates in my brain, and then use those things to get me to accept advertised offers from megacorporations.
1: What's in the box, Brett? (sighs) This. Brett.
0: Yes, the noose. But here. I've thrown it into the sea. Take me out of here, Matt. Monsturbators for consuming our delicious monster porn.
4: Why I'm his wife.
3: <laughs>
1: Did you say
4: wife?
3: <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I couldn't help myself.
0: I think you're not respecting this. Why am I southerner all of a sudden? He opened his hand and extended it toward Janos. Janos listened. Listened. Forward. He listened forward to see. Yep. Dave passed his gun into his left hand so he could reach into his breath. It's mermaid tongue. What's the problem? She gets what she wants. This gray water buffet.
2: You get what you want. Her company. Company? What the fuck is company? That's what I want to know. He's getting some company from that bitch.